Well, our scripture today is going to be in Psalm chapter 1, uh, one of my favorite uh, texts in the entire Bible, and I believe uh, I will not be able to exhaustively uh, communicate everything to you in this psalm, but uh, we're going to anchor ourselves today in Psalm. So if you would, join me in Psalm 1, and I'll, I'll read through, I'll read the text for us. It says this, Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1. Blessed, somebody say, blessed, blessed. is the man or the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Theologians say there's a little trifecta going on right there. The counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, and the seat of scoffers, a different sermon for a different day, but it's the progression of your thinking and your behaving and where you're belonging. And they say, but, verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And this specific person is... Uh, characterized like this in verse 3. This is, the, this is the fruit. This is the byproduct of this person. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. That's the location. And that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the seat or stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Here's the title for today. It's this, a simple but profound principle from Psalm chapter 1. This is the title for today. It's this, the power of environment. The power of environment. Back in 2004, there were a couple scientific researchers uh, by the name of Gianni Pess and Michael Poulain. They were actually doing a demographic study um, a scientific study, um, and they were producing a work that was going to be published later that year in uh, the journal, Experimental Gerontology. Does anybody know what gerontology is? It's the study of old age. And they were publishing this work, and in their study, they researched a small city named Nuoro, actually on the Mediterranean island of Sardinia. And what they found was remarkable that it contained in this specific area the world's highest concentration of male centenarians. Do you know what a centenarian is? It's someone that lives at least 100 years old. How many of you, just out of curiosity, would love to live to the ripe old age of 100 years old? Some of you are like, I don't think I got it in me. And some of you are like, I... how many of you would like to live a long life? Let me see your hands. Raise, raise them high, okay? Um, I, guess if, I guess if you're not raising your hand, I guess you don't really care about a long life, okay? Um, I was hoping everyone was going to raise their hand at that moment, but I guess some of you are not concerned with the longevity of your life. They were doing this study, and what they found was this area had the highest concentration in the world from their study of people, specifically men, who reached the age of 100, uh, the greatest in the entire world. They began to refer to this area as the Blue Zone. And building on this demographic work, there were other scientists who began to identify other regions around the world that would qualify as blue zones, um, additional places like Okinawa, Japan, and Nicoya, Costa Rica, and a few others. What is a blue zone? Well, a blue zone is a region of the world that's thought to have a higher than usual number of people who live much longer than average, specifically due to certain factors in that area that produce a greater and a longer quality of life. It's just the nature of their environment 
that allowed them to have a quality of life and a longevity of life that actually extended further and longer than the average person in our world. This is the power of environment, and that's talking a physical, specific, geographical environment. Today, we're going to be talking about a lot of different kinds of environment, the power of environment. And here's what the psalmist does in Psalm 1. The psalmist demonstrates for you and me that we all have certain outcomes to our lives. It doesn't matter whether or not you want an outcome in your life. It doesn't matter if you are trying to pursue a certain outcome in your life. Every single person in the room today, every single one of us will have certain results, will have certain outcomes about the reality of our life. And the psalmist says that there's an opportunity for you to have a blessed life. And that word in the Hebrew represents a, a full flourishing, a full manifestation of everything that God would want you to experience in life. And he says there is an opportunity uh, for you to have that kind of life. He specifically talks about two, two outcomes. He talks about the way of the righteous and he talks about the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous, those who are in right relationship with God, who operate according to the way of God, they can experience and they can expect blessing and prosperity. I'm assuming that the reason why you are here today is because in some way, shape, or form, you are hoping and desiring for some blessing and some prosperity in your life. Is that true of anybody in the room, just out of curiosity? I was listening to a, listening to a worship song this past week. Um, I forget the name of it. Uh, somebody could probably remember the name for me, but it says, the song says, it's a great song. It talks about only desiring Jesus, and it says, I'm not concerned with blessing. Uh, it says, I just, I just want to know you, I want to be with you, so on and so forth. Um, I love the sentiment of that song, but I would imagine that most of us are actually concerned with some blessing in our life. I would assume that you desire a good physical health. I would, des I would assume that you're, you desire for your children to have a healthy quality of life. I would assume that you want to have some kind of financial benefit and blessing, financial prosperity. I would imagine that you hope that your relationships are healthy. Um, I, I would assume that we would desire a, some kind of the blessed life or this prosperous way of living. The other option is what he refers to as the way of the wicked. And the way of the wicked, he refers to as the way of perishing. It perishes. It, it self-destructs. It actually doesn't end up where you want it to end up. It, the things in your life, are they're perishing. It's like they're fleeting. It's like they're falling apart rather than coming together. And, and here's, um, here's what we know is that all of us are going to have certain outcomes and certain results in our own lives. Lives. And it's important that we recognize that in order to um, operate a way, the way that God wants us to operate and to experience what God wants us to experience, it takes intentionality on our part. Um, you just can't have spiritual amnesia and then arrive where God wants you to arrive. It actually takes, um, this is what God refers to as working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It, it, it's us taking, <clears throat> it's coming alongside God in obedience and in faithfulness and walking out what he desires for our lives. Results aren't just random. Here's, I'll say it this way. The, there's a process for the results that you're experiencing in your life. Every result that you're experiencing in your life is a byproduct of certain conditions and certain decisions. I'll put it on screen for you. It's like this. See, results are um, the outcomes of what we're experiencing in our lives. And 
Uh, results aren't random. Uh, results, by and large, are produced, and they're created, and they're created by specific actions. So you have been taking certain actions and making certain decisions, <clears throat> excuse me, that are producing uh, the results that you have in your, your life. And so actions are the decisions that we're, we're making. The actions are things like getting out of the bed, actions like when to eat and what to eat, whether to exercise or not to exercise, whether to call someone or to not call someone, whether to say I love you or to say nothing at all, whether or not to get on social media, whether or not to swipe the credit card. These are all actions that we're taking that are producing specific results in our lives. But we know that actions, in order to take the right actions, in order to make the right decisions, in order to make the very best decisions, in order to take the very best actions, we recognize that in many ways we need to be in a setting that helps us and allows us to be able to make the kinds of decisions that we need to be able to make. This is what I refer to as environment. Environment. Environment is your setting. It's your surroundings. It's your context. It's where you live. It's what's in your pantry. It's what's in your refrigerator. It's, it's who's in your contacts. It's who's on your social media feed. It's where you work. It's literally the air you breathe and the water you drink. Environment is the space and the places where we live our lives. It is the setting and the surroundings where we find ourselves. And if we don't understand environment, um, and if we aren't intentional about environment, we won't take the right kind of actions and make the right kind of decisions that are going to produce the kind of results that God wants to produce in our lives. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Was that a lot at the very beginning? Was that a lot? You can be honest. Um, it, it's important that we recognize this principle of the power of environment. Here, let, let me give you a few, a few points based on the text and when we think about this concept of environment. Here, here's the first one. You should write this down, text a friend, email it to yourself, uh, tattoo it on your back. Where you are is just as important as what you do. Where you are is just as important as what you do. The psalmist says that it's important that you think and that you're intentional about where you let yourself go. He, he, he says, um, the man who doesn't uh, walk in the way, in the counsel of the wicked rather, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What he means there that it's important about where you go. You see, where you go, where you are is just as important as what you do. A lot of us think that we can do what we need to do and make the best decisions that we want to make without changing our environment. Um, but you have to recognize that your environment is just as important as the decisions that you're trying to make. That they're equally important, you, you could say. And the psalmist does this. He hinges blessing on your environment. He, he doesn't say blessed is the man who just wants to be blessed. He doesn't say blessed is the man who just thinks he's blessed or who says he's blessed. He says blessed is the man who does these certain kinds of things, which means, this may be a little hard for you to grasp today, but it's this, blessing is conditional. It's conditional. Now, by God's grace, we, we our salvation, our standing before God, the only condition that's required before our standing before God is faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad that God isn't waiting for you to clean up your life for him to accept you? 
You're standing in God. You're right standing with God. You don't have the ability to make yourself righteous. You have to receive Jesus' righteousness. That's why he went to the cross for you in your place and for your sins. And so your salvation, the only condition of your salvation is faith in Jesus Christ. However, um, sometimes we think that just now that I'm saved, I'm going to have a blessed life. Sometimes we just think, well, now that I'm in the club, now that I'm in the church, now that I'm on the, in the kingdom, uh, my marriage is just automatically going to be perfect. Who, who has realized that that is not the case? Don't raise your, oh, you don't raise your hand. You should, you know you have a perfect marriage. You should, don't raise your hand. Um, that, was, that was a trick. I'm sorry about that. Uh, um, you'll have some content for date night this week. So, um, how, how many of you have learned that just because you're saved or just because you know God or just because you want to do the right thing doesn't mean that you're going to experience um, blessedness in every area of your life? It, it, you actually have to, take, you have to take some action. And this, this, is, the, and this is like this. This is this hard thing because in evangelicalism, uh, we love to preach that only in Christ, only faith in Christ, and we would say amen to that. But then you have to uh, join God in the work of your spiritual maturity and sanctification. you got to join God in doing the work. Tomorrow, you're not just automatically going to wake up and being a, a blessed person or a better person or a more spiritually mature person. God expects you to join him in the work of your progress. And part of that is your environment. And recognizing that where you are is just as important as what you do. And here, here's what else we, we, we know. You must create your environment because your environment is creating you. You've got to be intentional about um, your environment. You've got to be intentional about what you're doing, where you're going, who's around you, who's not around you, where you're spending your time, where you're getting your counsel, where you're building your relationships. You've got to be intentional about creating your environment because your environment is creating you. How many of you have ever heard the saying, you are a, a product of your environment? How many of you, you, you grew up in um, your, your family of origin, you, um, you, you grew up and you, you, you vowed all the things that you would never do that your mother did? You vowed, I'm never going to be like my dad. And then guess what? Without trying you start doing things like your parents did. You, you, know why that is? you know why that is? It's because you are a product of your environment. Uh, you, you, you're in, it's, just, it's just impossible not to be. Your environment is the, unless you're Superman, I mean, you're, you're, you are receiving from your environment. Your environment is shaping you, it's forming you. And you've got to be intentional, the psalmist says, You've got to create your environment because your environment is creating you. Some of you are trying to get drastically different results in your life, but you're not changing any aspect of your environment. You haven't had, you're not in discipleship relationship. You don't have mentorship. You don't have coach. You're a coach. You're not in the word. You're not putting yourself in the spaces and the places, but you're expecting different results. We've got to recognize that you can't, um, you, you can't walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, and sit in the seat of scoffers and expect to have the blessed life. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be intentional about your environment. You've got to create your environment because your environment is creating you. How many of you have heard it said that in five years, you will be the average of your five closest friends? Anybody ever heard that? It, it, it's, it's, it's just true. 
like, like you, you want to change your um, spiritual game? Think about who are the five closest people in, in your life. You, you want to change your financial game? Who are, the, who are the five closest financial people of, uh, or fi- people in your life related to, to finance? You, you want to change, you want to have a healthy marriage? Um, who, what are the five closest marriages that, that are in your life that you're spending time with those kinds of people? You will be an average of those five uh, closest in, in the years to come. The reason is, it's just the principle, it's a law that you are a, um, a product of your environment, which means we have to be intentional about creating an environment because our environment is creating us. <clears throat> I'll say it this way as well. Your success is subject to your surroundings. Your success is subject to your um, surroundings. I, I've, I've been, the Lord has been doing, has, has been putting this word in me and working this in me uh, for the last couple months. And here, here's what triggered this whole principle and this whole journey for me spiritually. Um, many of you know, a, a few weeks ago, I got to participate uh, in an event called a, a poverty simulation with an organization in town called Vigilant Hope. Vigilant Hope is an amazing organization here in our city. We're so blessed to have this organization in our city there. It's a Christian organization that specifically partners with the church to help mobilize the church to the needs in our city, specifically those needs related to uh, poverty and homelessness and some other things. They do this thing. um, There's actually one coming up in a couple months if you want to get down with it. Um, They do this thing that's called a poverty simulation. And basically, the premise is that we're going to put you, we're going to simulate an experience for you for about 48 hours over the course of a weekend. And we're going to simulate for you what it's like to be in poverty. And you're like, oh my goodness, what do they do? Well, part of the program is I can't tell you what they do. I can't spill the beans. But essentially, if you, you can imagine every aspect, if you could imagine experiencing every aspect of homelessness and poverty in 48 hours, that's essentially what they tried to do. And now me, I'm like, I'm a pastor. I got this. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm a spiritual professional. You know, I mean, like, I'm going to slay this thing. This is going to be awesome. And I'm going to like, I'm going to win. You know, I'm in it to win it. Um, they, they, put you, they put you in these situations, in these scenarios over the course of the weekend. And I'll just, I'll just say by, by about halfway through the weekend, you, you feel malnourished. You feel like you haven't had enough sleep and, and enough rest. They give you some parameters and some guidelines. And here's what you have to do. And here's, here's essentially kind of like creating some laws, you know, in, in the whole weekend. And... and, and you know, I'm, I'm like, I got this. Well, about halfway through the weekend, I realized I don't have this. Um, and, and what was crazy to me is that in that environment, I made decisions that were completely contrary to my values. You're like, what did you do, Pastor? Did you kill someone? No, I didn't kill anyone. <laughs> um, but I, but I, I, me and every, every other person that was a part of the group all made decisions and took actions that were outside of the guidelines that they set before us. You're like, were you stealing money? What did you, did you rob a car? What did you, I mean, um, no, but what I, what I realized, even as strong as I might think I am, even as maybe self-confident or spiritually full or whatever, I, I realized that in that environment, it was actually extremely hard for me to make the decisions that were right decisions because of where I was. See, your success is subject to your surroundings. 
it's subject to your surroundings. And there is a reality that many of us, if we aren't willing to change and to figure out how to make our surroundings conducive for what God wants to produce in our lives, we're not going to have the kind of success that we need to have in our lives. Do you know this is, this is why um, rehab exists? Do, do you know what rehab is? I mean, if you've ever had a friend or if you've ever been, and we've had, we, we have recovering addicts here at the bridge. We have friends and family members who are currently addicts, and we, we believe in helping and supporting and loving people through the process of trying to overcome. Do, do you know why rehab is important? Uh, because it's an environment. It, it's a new location. It's, it's a new place. It's a new environment where you go, and it's different than where you have been. And what do they do? They, they take away some things. They, they remove some things. They remove some things, and for a period of time, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a few months, they put you in an environment that gives you the ability to overcome the things that you haven't been able to overcome otherwise. The reason why they do that is because they are smart and they understand the law and the principle of your environment, that in many ways your success is subject to your environment. And here, here's the reality for, for all of us. The quality of our, the quality of your decision making is a direct reflection of the quality of your environment. The quality of your decision making is a direct reflection of the quality of your environment. It, it's, it's a direct um, reflection. And, and here's, here's what else we know. I'll, I'll say it this way. The right environment, it eliminates temptations and creates opportunities. If we can put ourselves in the right kind of environment, we know that it's going to, A, it's going to eliminate um, temptations and distractions, but then it's also going to create opportunities. You ever been in like a not so good environment and you just go downhill fast? But have you ever been in a, a good environment and you go uphill fast? The reason is because two things are happening at the same time. In a good environment, you're eliminating distractions and you're creating opportunities. In a bad environment, you're eliminating opportunities and creating distractions and temptations. See, see, see we creating the environment that's conducive for us to have flourishing and success is so necessary because it does both of these things at the exact same time. And, and here's... Here, here's, what, here's what you just need to know. Until you're willing to change your environment, you're not going to experience what God wants you to experience in your life. Until you're willing to change it, until you're willing to shift it, until you're willing to make some, some changes that are going to prosper your way. And so I, I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, well, well, Pastor Ethan, could you help and be practical for us? Could you give us, could you give us some suggestions? Here's, here's what I want to do um, in the short time that I have remaining. Um, let, let me give for you what I would call the, the top five key environments for, uh, for your life. This is going to be extremely practical uh, because I think the Bible is extremely practical. And, and here, here's, here's the, this would be a great uh, conversation piece for uh, D group, discipleship group later this week, or for a date night activity. Um, uh, talk through these. Here, here's number one. Number one, spiritual environment. Every single one of us has a spiritual environment. This is uh, what is contributing or not contributing to our spiritual formation. Uh, this would be things like space for stillness, space for quiet, space for meditation, space for prayer. Did you, do you know that the counter 
active to what he stated in verse one was verse two. It says that the person that is blessed, their delight is in the law or the word for law is instruction, the instruction of the Lord. And on that instruction, he meditates day and night. Did you know that meditation is in the Bible? Just for the record. Um, you know, they didn't come up with that like with yoga, you know, a couple decades ago. It's like <clears throat> meditation is a, it's a biblical spiritual practice. And it just means what, what, where I'm... What, I'm getting quiet, I'm getting still, and I'm letting um, my, my thinking and my thought life, I'm letting it uh, be connected to God and what God would have for me. And I'm thinking on the things of God. I'm thinking on his law. I'm delighting on his law or his instruction or his way. And I'm creating an environment whereby my spiritual formation can take place. That's an individual sense. And then also in a, in a broader sense, your spiritual environment is also your spiritual influences. It's things like church. It's like showing up on a Sunday morning and engaging in worship because you know that this part of your spiritual formation process is going to be for your good and just the weekly discipline of showing up in worship on Sunday is going to help you become who you need to become. That's why it's important what we, what we do on a weekly basis. It's spiritual influences. It's the church. It's, it's community. It's community group. It's spiritual mentorship. It's discipleship. It's spiritual environment. you got to be intentional about your spiritual environment. Here's number two, your mental environment. We could stay, we could stay here for a minute. Your mental environment. I want you to think about your mental environment. This is what you allow in your mind. This is what you allow in, and this is what you allow to circulate. As Pastor Chris has often said, it's what's taking up real estate in your mind. You have a mental environment. You, you have mental real estate of what you are allowing yourself to think about and allowing what you're feeding yourself. You, you, you sit down every evening for five hours and watch the news. I can predict pretty accurately what's going to come out of your life. I can predict the attitude and the attributes and the characteristics. It's actually not that hard. The reason why it's not hard is because I know what's coming in your head. Your, your mental, every single one of us has a mental environment where we're thinking, we're, we're operating according to thoughts and, and mindsets. And the scriptures say that we have to renew our mind. We have to renew it. That means there's some things that shouldn't be allowed in our mind, and there's some things that we should be filling with our mind. The battle of the mind, you've got a mental environment. What are you allowing to enter into your mind, and what are you allowing to circulate in your mind? A mental environment. Here's number three, relational environment. Number three is the relational environment. This, this is your friends. This is your friendships. These are the people that are closest to you. This is this would be the environment of your marriage if you are in a marriage, if you're, if you're married. This would also be your family. And some of you are like, well, Pastor Ethan, you said to change your environment. Does that mean I can get rid of some people in my family? Well, your hands are tied a little bit on that one. Um, but you need to recognize that you have a relational environment, that the people around you are are forming you and shaping you and helping you become who you are becoming. This is, I, I thought about it th this week this way. Um, did you know that your marriage, if you're married, it's an environment? Did you know that you made a decision when you got married to create a permanent environment? You didn't know that you were making that decision, did you? You were making a decision that I'm going to enter into a relationship with this person and this is going to be a permanent environment for the rest of my life by which I'm going to be with this person until I die. That's essentially an environment. And whether you like it or not, you are going to be a byproduct of that closest relationship in your life. 
And this is why we have to recognize that um, our, our relationships, our marriage, our family, our friendships, all, all those things are important because it's an environment that is creating and shaping us. Here's number four. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> number four is a digital environment. A digital environment. This is our screens. This is uh, spending time on devices. This is what we keep in our purse or our pocket. And this is our TVs. This is our, this is, this is our digital experience. And whether you like it or not, this wasn't the case of people that lived 50 years ago or 100 years ago, but your life, you're living in a digital world now. It's hard for you to even enter into a space or a place without there being a screen. They even put screens in our cars now. You got a screen on your car. You got, you got, some of you got screens in almost every room in your house. Uh, you, you got iPads. You got a computer. You, you got your, and there's, there's nothing wrong with technology. There's nothing, I don't think, inherently evil with a digital world. But you have to recognize that that's an environment that you have. So your screens are feeding you. They're feeding you. They're, they're shaping you. You're, who you're following on social media, the reels that you're consuming on a daily basis, all those things, you're like, oh, it's just, it's just harmless. I just, like to, I just like to have a mental break. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I just like to, I just like to see what she's wearing, you know, and see what the latest fashion is and to see, see how, he, you know, how he's fishing and how this person is cooking. And blah. Yeah, that's okay. I, I get it, but that's actually forming you. Everything that you see, everything that you consume is actually a part of your formation process. Every single one of us has a digital environment that is forming us in, in who, we, who we are becoming. And then here's number five. Here, here's the last one of the top five a key environment. So number five is your vocational environment. Your vocational environment. This is assuming if, if you are employed or if you're working, um, this is where you work. This is what you do for work. This is who you work with. Your, your work and your time with work is, is absolutely critical. It's so critical. Did you know that if you work a full-time job, uh, 40 hours a week, you will spend um, half of your waking life doing work? which means it's important that we think about the kind of work that we're doing, who we're working with, and where we are working. You're going to be, physically, you're going to be a, a byproduct of your, uh, the way that you think, the way that you, relationally, all these things are, all these things in your vocational environment are going to have an impact and a, an effect on who you are. This is why um, I think working at the bridge should be like the best job in the world. All right, we, we've got like a growing staff. We're adding a couple new staff members. I tell them all the time, my goal, I want this to be the best place to work in, in the world, okay? And, and, so, and, and we, we work, we work hard, hard to do that. We're, we're not the best yet, but we're on our way. And uh, I want to create a, a place and a space that's, that's healthy, that promotes growth, that has unity, that demonstrates honor, that has purpose and cause and mission, because these people that I'm employing, I'm going to spend half of my waking hours with them. I might as well get along with them. I might as well have fun while I'm doing it. And so your vocational environment is so critical and is so important because it is forming you and it is shaping you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Here's the last thing I'd like to point out. It says that he is planted, he's like a tree, planted where? By streams of water. What happens to a tree when it's planted in the desert? It dies. 
Well, what, what happens to most trees when they're planted on a rocky mountain face? They, they, they can't make it. What, what happens to, even Jesus would even use this analogy about where you plant a seed. You know, where you plant a seed on rocky ground or thorny ground. You know, the, the ability for the seed to become everything that it needs to become requires an environment that is actually conducive for its flourishing and its growth. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. I just want to encourage you today, like, you can have a blessed life today. You, you can have fruit in your life. You can have relationships that thrive and flourish. You can have a marriage that rebounds from where it is right now. You, 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 can, have, you can have a work experience that's, that's meaningful and that contributes to, to, to others. You can, you can have a life that is, in many ways, everything that God wants you to become but you gotta be planted by his stream. You gotta be planted by the river so that you can get the right kinds of nutrients that you need for your flourishing in you. Because we know that if you're connected to the right soil and the right stream and the right conditions, we know that that's going to allow you to bear the kind of fruit that you want to, that you need and that you wanna produce in your life. I'll close with this. Um, we love this great city of Wilmington, don't we? It's an amazing city. Um, it's, uh, it's beautiful, but it's also broken. We, we, we understand and we recognize that um, we love our city, but it's, it has some issues. It has an, a terrible racial past. The racial history here is absolutely uh, devastating. That's why, as, as a church, we believe as part of what it means to be the kingdom is to demonstrate unity and reconciliation and the gathering of all nations. I believe that Jesus said that his church should be a house of prayer for all nations, for everybody. So we're going to gather every single person in our community, every kind of person in our community, and we're going to demonstrate that we have the ability to overcome what our city does not have the ability to overcome. Uh, as well, um, substance abuse and um, and drugs and, and addiction. Uh, our city in 2015 was ranked number one in the country for o opioid abuse. We, we got a problem. Um, we, we got a problem with substances and with, with addiction. And so uh, it's, 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 it's critical that we're intentional about uh, trying to help people work through that and over, over, overcome that. Um, and that's the reality of our city. You know, another thing about our city is a thing called Gen X. You heard of this thing? Um, if, if you're new, you're like, I don't know what Gen X is. Uh, if you've been, lived here for a while, you've heard about this uh, ad nauseum over the past few years. Um, apparently, kind of as what they're telling us is that um, some plant um, upstream, uh, I think it's maybe uh, 50, 100 miles, whatever, up the Cape Fear River has been um, dumping, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we don't know, uh, but dumping chemicals into the river, which has now pervaded it's pervaded the entire Cape Fear area and actually has been in our drinking water for the last few decades. Because it's a new discovery, we don't know exactly what the ramifications are in our bodies physically, but it's very clear that what is contained in our drinking water is far beyond what are the recommended levels for uh, drinking water in our, our country. As I thought about that this week, um, I recognize that even without knowing it, for decades we were a product of an environment and things in our drinking water that nobody had a clue about. And somewhere, someone along the way failed to control the environment. And because they allowed a substance potentially harmful into the environment, it is now pervaded um, all of it. Don't think about this very long, but you probably have Gen X in your body right now. Um, 
The reason is, is because you can't participate in an environment and not be a product of that environment. Today, I want to encourage you that um, this is part of our spiritual formation process and that you can now become what God wants you to become and you can begin to take steps to create spaces and places that are conducive for fulfilling God's his best, God's blessed uh, in your life. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, today we just thank you for your word and we thank you for the reality that um, you intend for us to be intentional with our environment. That you expect us to to create uh, environments and spaces and places in our lives that are not like the wicked, are not like the sinners, are not like the scoffers, but that we're intentional about creating places that help us fulfill what you want us to fulfill and godly community and relationships. And even in our minds today, God, I, I ask that you would allow us to, to take steps in uh, becoming what you would want us to become. in our lives. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we just declare that we're going to take some steps this week, today, and, and continue the progress of spiritual growth in our lives.